Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Hello. There's always that pause on Zoom. And so then I just like wait to see if you say hi first. Oh, I know. (laughs) When we don't want to sign it. I'm just all over the place today because even though right now is the last day of school or last week of school for a lot of people, for Logan, it was his first day of quote unquote school, like daycare Daycare. school. So I'm a nervous wreck. It'll be okay. And that's okay to be a nervous wreck. I'm not ready. I don't know how you did it so early with Blair, how people do it like six weeks, eight weeks, like he's Uh, nine months and I'm yeah, I felt like I didn't have a choice. <laughs> so it's just like yeah. when you feel like you don't have a choice, then you're kind of up against a, a rock in a hard place. Your back is up against the wall. But yeah, no, and I think yeah. it's a societal kind of pressure and stuff like that. And just the pressure that moms put on themselves. And thankfully, I had like family come in and help support. And then yeah, she didn't go into like daycare, daycare with like, quote unquote, strangers until she was like, six or seven months and I have a picture from that first day and she was like all smiles like she was just like bye like yeah so I think it depends on the temperament yeah I mean COVID time I didn't get to go in the classroom I just handed him over and he didn't cry he he wasn't smiles I mean who knows if he cried once he got into the classroom but you know I realized the like nine months the stranger danger this was probably the worst time to have him start but (laughs) you know (laughs) well yeah it's a unique experience too because He's just been with you because of COVID. So yeah. that's a little different. Too. I know. Yeah, I know. It's But yeah. he definitely needs it. He's a typical COVID baby overstimulated by everything. Yeah. So he needs to play with other kids because he doesn't have, I mean, he has play dates with little other kids, but I don't know, not without me there. So it's, anyway. yeah, I think, uh, I'm sure he'll sleep good tonight. Hopefully that's a, yeah. that's something. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're but, coming. But it is a crazy time we're you know end of the school year the probably craziest school year most people have ever seen for sure and we I we think- haven't even dealt with like the ramifications of it and i think that that's no. why we wanted to have this solo recording today this will be our last episode before we take a little break we implemented that last year and we felt that that was a good way for us to kind of try to recharge and try to mm-hmm. um, decompress and that was just March to June, right? Now we've had an entire year of distance learning, hybrid models, in person for some, but not for others, and just like no one's happy. But on the computer still for others. Oh, yeah. Weird. Uh, So we kind of wanted to run through all the different models that people had, some of the issues to look for at the beginning of the school year, and to make your teams aware of. And I think one of the first things we started seeing that we'll start with was the August, August, September return to school, and it was still distance learning. So by this time, Mm -hmm. most districts had had some type of plan in place for what the schedule looked like. So it ranged for my clients to the super, like, 
I don't even know the adjective, like teacher that was like, we are going to have regular school online. And it was just literally like six Mm -hmm. hours to, okay, you only get one hour of Zoom a day. Is that the kind of spectrum that you saw or do you have different examples or like a couple examples? Yeah, no, I definitely saw a lot of difference. I mean, I saw some kids that were returning to in-person with their cohorts and they would have days, a few days on campus, a few days at home. But some of those kids were still on the computer with the teacher at home. And like, so it wasn't anything different other than they were like in a classroom instead of being at home, which I realized, you know, for some families, that's what was needed so that parents could go back to work or if they got too distracted at home, like if they have siblings and whatnot. But yeah, yeah, it was such a range. And it's interesting because there are some, you know, very few, but there are some schools that went back in person and stayed in person all year. But the caveat, I'll say, because I've gotten a few districts that have been like, oh, well, we've been in person all year or whatnot, or half the year since January or whatnot. And I go, but this entire year, whether you were back in person right. in August, in January, mm-hmm. in May, it wasn't normal. Right. It wasn't regular. It was masks. A lot of times it was plexiglass. It was, mm-hmm. you know, several students instead of a full classroom. Right. It was a few days a week. It was you know, so many changes. It wasn't a normal. So when we talk about like what we're looking for when we get back to in person, like we're really talking about we don't know the ramifications until the kids are back in person full time right. with the teacher in the classroom with like regular instruction. Because even some of these kids, like a lot of it was repeating what happened last school year, like the last few months, because that was totally lost. So a lot of the first months of the school year was repetition. So, you know, definitely a spectrum. But the one thing that I, I'm kind of encouraging parents to remind schools, because I keep getting schools say, well, we were back in person X amount of time. But, you know, whether you went back in person at the beginning of the school year or the middle of the school year, it was still very different. There was still a disruption. There was a lot of repetition of content from the previous year. So I think we're in this position where the 2021-2022 school year start for most kids probably will be in person. For many kids, it will be the first time they're back in person. And for others, they will have been back in person. But it's not really until the fall, I think, that we can truly tell where these kids are at. And I think, you know, I had a client the other day, I was talking to him, and we were talking about the last time that either assessments were done or a doctor's note was provided. And it was 2019. And my initial reaction was, Wow, that was so long ago. And then I thought, and it was like, okay, well, if it was fall of 2019, that was right before the pandemic, there has not been an opportunity for kids to really go, like, if they needed a doctor's note. So that's one thing that people should be, like, thinking about is they might need to get updated doctor's orders. If you have a healthcare plan within your IEP, if you have um, right. any kind of medication being provided, if the last time you provided it was before the pandemic, that was 2019. So those are going to probably need to be updated. But, you know, to a certain extent, schools need to give some grace to that because, you know, everybody's going to be clamoring to get doctor's appointments to get these orders over the summer. And it just may not be feasible if you have multiple doctors. So, you know, communicate with your team and don't be afraid to be like, yeah, this might be old because we haven't gotten into the doctor. We haven't. The COVID-19 related cases that we've seen coming through here in California, it's the Office of OAH. Office of Administrative Hearings, we're seeing cases come where like no services were provided whatsoever. And obviously, a lot of the clients that we have either had us um, 
throughout the school year, making sure that the IEP was implemented, or even some of the newer clients, you know, were talking about regression. So the child did not make any progress on their IEP goals. And I think that's important for a lot of the parents to understand that when we get back, and I was trying to look for the guidance, but if I find it, we'll put it in the show notes, as to the language that was used by the California Department of Education, talking about how teams should address regression. And it was mm-hmm. like in like April, I think, of 2020. And it was like, you know, when schools get back in session, you know, or get back to in-person, it was like some terminology. It was just like very gray. It was like the teams can address like regression in whatever form that would like look like, right? So, (laughs) and they're supposed to have this conversation, but where we've seen teams kind of be all across the board with it is what's considered in-person, what's considered back, because if it's a hybrid model or if it's in person, but you're still on the computer or if there's cohorts, you're only there two days, whatever, is that considered in person? Is it, are we waiting for things to go back to normal? I don't think things are going to go back to normal. Yeah, exactly. And so I think like helping the team like talk about that, right? Because I've had a lot of teams when I've tried to address it in the spring, in spring IEPs, it was like, well, let's, let's wait until the fall and then we'll do some assessments and we'll do this and we'll do that. And it's just like, okay, well, you don't need assessments to necessarily know the child's regress. Like, yes, if you want to know uh-huh. like the type of instruction the child will need to like make them whole again, I'm for that. But if you're just doing assessments just to say that you did assessments and the kids fine like that's not okay so I just want parents to kind of be made aware and I know something that has also been asked about are a lot of these enrichment programs so there was emergency funding and just other sorts of funding that school districts were provided with and a lot of them have chosen to use it for you know a summer school type program for all children so I think Uh that that's really important for parents of kiddos with special needs is to make that distinction that this is not like ESY like per an IEP which some kiddos still need and will be getting this is an enrichment program that is offered to all children so you still want to make sure that your IEP is in place that those supports and services that your child has been provided if it's like a one-to-one aid or accommodations or anything like that would still happen. And these enrichment programs are likely not going to be individualized. And what's important to note is when we talk about if a child regressed during this time and the Department of Ed saying that the students that have regressed, they are entitled to compensatory education. These enrichment programs, and in some cases, uh, schools are offering like some tutoring services these services is not what you're entitled to. I mean, right. you are entitled to this, but you're entitled and to technically, more. I've seen this in some school districts where they will offer to a particular parent tutoring services because, like, the district has, like, an agreement with some type of tutoring agency. And it'll only be, like, let's say just say 10 sessions And I tell parents, this has nothing to do with the IEP. Like, this is something that they're offering to you, and your child may need something in addition. Now, it gets a little trickier if they're saying it's part of the IEP and stuff like that. But most recently, when I've seen it, it was something that was offered to a lot of children, not this particular child. It made it seem, the district person made it seem like it was, like, comp Well, they're trying to make it seem like this is your comp ed. Right. Like, deal with it. And it's like... It's almost like trying to put a Band-Aid on it yes. and trying to, like, make sure that parents are, like, somewhat happy. But And I'm not trying to say that, like, they don't mean well. Obviously, some schools have realized these kids need more. Right. We're going to provide it. Right. But they're not taking the time 
to figure out individually what this kid actually needs. They might be offering 10, 15 hours of comp ed. I am one case where they offered 16 hours and I'm like, 16 hours doesn't make up for an entire year and a half. And like, how is that individualized to this student in particular? Yeah. And that's the problem is that then if the parent says, well, I feel like this is a good thing, I'm going to take it. Maybe this is what we're entitled to. You know, it's fine if that's appropriate for your child, but just know that it should be individualized. So if the team didn't have a discussion about what is actually needed for the kid to be, you know, individualized, her like whatever regression occurred or not just regression like the governor in california was very specific that these students shouldn't just prevent regression we should still be challenging them to make meaningful progress so it's not just about regression if they've kind of stayed status quo that's not enough either so we need to be looking at should these kids be entitled to more than what this enrichment program is offered, you still have a right to, you know, seek what's appropriate for your child. And we may not know what's appropriate until they go back in person. Right, right. And that's okay. But I think that those conversations need to be had. And I think the acknowledgement of this has been a tough year for all kids can be said, but I think it really does a disservice to what that particular child and that particular family had to go through. So I highly encourage mm-hmm. IEP team members. Everybody knows it was a hard year for everyone. You don't have to say it. Yeah. You know, let's focus on the child that's in front of you because I've mm-hmm. had to say that countless times at IEP meetings. While it's been a hard year for everyone, I think that we need to focus on this child. And while it's unique situation where we find a lot of kids have been in, like we need to talk about this particular child because it just right. really like cuts. And just like I saw a quote about this the other day where it was just like, okay, like, you know, we shouldn't just be telling teachers like, yo, have a good summer. You did great this last year. It's like, no, like you're completely right. like, like not acknowledging just all of the strife and the grief and the trauma right, that all of right. us have exposed. Well, and, exposed and I think one thing that I've realized is with kids starting to go back in person, you know, a lot of students suffered so much during distance learning yeah. that when they returned in person, the expectations were very low because teachers are in this mode of, I realize a lot of these students didn't learn as much. Right. So we're not going to place them with high expectations. So what I've seen happen in a number of cases is the kid goes back. The expectations are low. The student is like so happy to be back in person. Yeah. They do really well. Right, right. In, and I'm going to put this in quotes. They do really well considering the circumstances. Yes. But just because they did well with low expectations and they're like, finally in this it's almost, it's almost like a honeymoon phase that should right. not be an indicator that they're fine and that they didn't regress because it should be based on where were they before the pandemic and where are they now just because if they haven't regressed it doesn't necessarily mean anything because if their expectations are to you know complete content that is not end of because right now we're at the end of the school year so the yeah. end of that school year expectations is probably not what's being placed on these students if they're returning a couple months before the end of the school year so right i think that's really important to note is like you need to look at like where was a student before mm-hmm. the pandemic where yeah. was a student functioning during the pandemic and what are the expectations placed on them when they go back and you need to look at all those factors not just 
oh, well, I put a book in front of them and they're able to read it. So they're reading fluency and comprehension. It's fine. Well, that's not, that's not enough to really be indicative of how they are, how they're doing. It might take for some of these students the entire next school year to determine where are they? Because we could have a honeymoon phase of, well, they're back in person. They're happy to be back in person. But two months later, they're having behavioral issues again. Right. I think that also kind of acknowledging that different districts and we'll probably have a conversation closer to the beginning of this school year about any requirements and things like that. I think it's too early to tell what people are going to do for next school year. Um, And until we start having clients get these letters about what, you know, restrictions or requirements or whatever are needed. But I think it it goes without saying that it's going to look a lot different. The school day is going to look a lot different. I think a lot of clients... I've even said most schools, they will be back, but it will be still some form of a hybrid. Like there, now granted, there are some schools that will probably go back eight, two or whatever and like have some semblance of like what it was before. But kind of like how you were saying where I would just hope there's a bit more grace for a lot of these students and how students learn um, than they have in the past because I just feel like Telling, you know, hearing the same story that the kid is lazy because he has, you know, but he actually has ADHD and it's not laziness. He's like overwhelmed. Like, I'm just I'm really tired of hearing that. So I would hope that this kind of leveled the playing field to a certain extent so that, you know, and I get it. Teachers understand that there's unique needs of the children in their class. You know, not everybody's at the same reading level and things like that. But I would hope that with the acknowledgement and it's so hard, too, because it's not like these teachers are going to get those kids again, right? Like a new right, teacher is right. going to have to kind of figure out. And I think that that's the hardest thing. So it was the the CDE and it was talking about now. I know I said like I don't want assessments to be done just to be done to show. Like get those assessments as soon as possible because the CDE was talking about how local education agencies, so LEAs, another term for what we talk about when we're talking about districts and some of them kind of get together and can be their own LEAs and things like that. But it was talking about educational needs can be measured by assessing whether or not the child continued making progress in the gen ed program, alternative course of study specified in their IEP, or toward meeting their individualized IEP goals, and or if any regression occurred during the period of school site closure. So to a certain extent, And the beginning of that, I should have said, the beginning of that paragraph says, once the regular school session resumes. Okay, well, what's the regular school session? Because a lot of the in-person, they were going, let's say, four days a week, five days a week, but the teacher was still on Zoom, right? And Or they were only there for two hours. Or they were there on a hybrid, which was two days a week for a couple hours. Or, you know, some parents did choose to stay just like virtual. And I think that was just for having some consistency, which was fine. So, you know, we thought September 2020 was going to be this jumping off point. But now, you know, obviously, we're like, okay, September 2021 is this jumping off point. So we're going to be having those 30 day IEP meetings. I think it's important to be able to get the team on the same page, you know, accommodation, maybe there's more accommodations that your child needs, right? Maybe your child actually does really well standing up. And you notice that I think those are all important. Like you've been the teacher for the last year, you've been the most important person, if you had the opportunity to stay with your child and learn from your child, or learn how your child learns. And I think that it's imperative to 
have those IEP meetings at the beginning of the school year and make kind of, if you hadn't already, you know, during this school year, make that known. Because, yeah, obviously we got to winter break. Some schools were then going to be opening up in January. Others were still being pushed off. Or we were seeing the, okay, they're going to come back, but they're going to have their teacher on Zoom but it's going to be like a one-to-one in the classroom with the child. And, yeah. you know, what was the qualifications of the one-to-one? Did Was it just a pod? Did your child actually get the support that they needed? Or was it just something that the district was able to offer so that you could get back to work, right? So I think that's yeah. also important to yeah. address with the school teams. And, you know, everybody was trying to do their best, but I think the focus needs to be on the individual child that is in front of them. Right. So if right. the school district so is offering... We- yeah. Yeah, I would just say we, you know, we talk a lot about what's going to happen in the fall and like what needs to happen in the mm. fall. One thing I do want to mention is about this summer because yeah. I know a lot of parents are asking, like, what do we do this summer? Right. They're so behind. We need to put them yeah. in this or that. And yeah, yeah. I guess my suggestion would be like, you know, as much as this last year and a half has been really hard for a lot of these students and it's going to take some time to get back academically, their mental health, their social skills, all of that. I think in some ways is more important because yes. you can't get the kid to learn if their mental health is not where Absolutely. it needs to be. Yeah. So I think for many of these kiddos taking a break this summer and not placing more expectations for them to do academic content this summer mm. is going to be important. Getting them back to playing with peers because I know so many of these kids have like not had the opportunity to be with other kids very very much this past year so if they can go to a camp if you know if in your location things are opening up more and it's safe and you feel safe obviously some people don't still feel safe not everyone is vaccinated obviously the kids are not vaccinated so it's hard but as much as you can have them take a little break I think that's important that's a really good point I know that a lot of families are kind of focused in on some sports and extracurricular activities, you know, swim lessons, yoga, things like that. And yeah, just getting your kids outside in general, if you can't even afford camp or anything like that, you know, outdoors seems to be one of the areas that uh, we're able to be around others to a certain extent, right? And you can control, you know, your kiddo if, if you can, you know, having a mask or a face shield or something like that. So just even taking the opportunity to try and re-socialize <laughs> yourself and your child, I think is also probably something that a lot of us aren't thinking about and it and you know i've heard so many iterations of like the kids will be fine kids are resilient you know it's it's happened before you know because of fiscal issues or you know a hurricane damage shut down a school for a couple months or you know whatever like i hear all that and like i do want to say it's going to be okay I think this is going to be an asterisk on everybody's transcript forever. And Uh I think that, you know, you know the potential of your child and your child will get there in one form or another. And it's very resilient. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not to say we're not acknowledging what has happened. There's going to be a lot of trauma 
that I think is going to manifest itself in behaviors because that is sometimes the only form of communication some of our kiddos can even have. So just be mindful of that if your child is having behaviors to really bring it back because I have a feeling people will start getting collective amnesia and I'm going to be getting phone calls in October or November and people are just going to be like, I don't know why my kid, oh, you don't know why your kid is acting like this? Maybe because we're at the tail end of a pandemic and (laughs) they've been in school. Yeah, I think that there's misconceptions about trauma i think a lot of people think oh well a kid has dealt with trauma if they've had a very traumatic event like they you know were involved in a car accident or something like that but there's been a lot of trauma this year being ripped from your classroom on almost no notice and Mm -hmm. having no interaction with other people other kids for almost a year for many of these kids not seeing family having family members die having a situation where everyone seems scared, many people losing jobs, losing their home, not being able to feed them, like that is all traumatic for anybody, let alone a child. So I think we need to be really mindful of, you know, being careful not to say, oh, well, you know, they just had to stay home. Like for a child, especially our young kiddos, even our teenagers, you know, everything that they dealt with this past year has been traumatic. And that can have an effect on their mental health, just like it has everybody else's. So I think, you know, schools should be careful, too, and mindful to look out for the signs because, you know, it is sometimes manifesting in behaviors that could just be like, oh, well, this is just related to their disability. Well, maybe not. Yeah, exactly. And I think if there's ever a time for vulnerability, it's now. I think that it's important to let the team know as uncomfortable as they may make you feel any of that trauma that you guys have suffered, whether it's being displaced from your home, losing a job, being at home for a year and a half. I think it's important because the district's only going to respond with what they know. And they should, you know, obviously we make a living out of looking at records and showing the district you were quite aware of this child and their special needs and, you know, didn't do X, Y, Z. But I think it's also important for parents, you know, if you did get private therapy, any type of private service, you know, I think it's important to let the team know, hey, you know what, I did have them in the YMCA swim class for socialization that whether you think it relates or not, I think it's important to share that with the team. Because if anything, you know, if we pick up the case, and we look back, and we go, wow, mom had said that there were some sensory issues, she put them in private, you know, OT or whatever. And the districts, you know, didn't even do an assessment or whatever. Like, I think it's important because that that is what we use in a lot of our cases because you are part of the IEP team. Whether you were right beside your child this last year or not, you have always been a member of the IEP team. So we hope this episode kind of empowered you a little bit. Didn't want to put too much on your plate or make you worry. I just want you to be prepared for this new school year because it's just as much as they're going to tell you it's going to go back to the way it was, it's not. We are forever changed. And I think it's important that we start saying that out loud so that we're not doing our children a disservice like we are actually putting all the cards on the table and you know not being combative about it but trying to initiate that collective collaborative approach because Amanda and I shouldn't have jobs but we do and Mm -hmm. we just are trying to untangle this past year not to mention everything that happened before this past year right like sometimes we we see stuff and and, it's not just the function of this year but 
you know, hopefully as things open up over the summer, you know, we recognize that in many places, it's still not great. Yeah. Um, many parts of the world, it's still not great. In California, we just hit our June 15th, like the state is reopened yeah. phase, you know, but not every state is. Yeah. People are still, you know, should be wearing masks if you're not vaccinated. There's still a lot to be careful of. Yeah. So obviously we want you and your children to be able to take some time to have a little break this summer, but yeah. we do recognize that that's not always possible in every location of our listeners. But hopefully we see things starting to get better. And, you know, our little PSA for today, if you haven't been vaccinated, please consider it. Absolutely. You're getting a lot of free stuff, so take advantage of that. I saw a meme the other day that was like, I did my due diligence. I got my vaccine the minute I got it, and all I got was a little sticker. Oh, yeah, I'm vaccinated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> People who held out are not getting free cars and millions of dollars. Yeah, it was pretty <laughs> funny. But you know what? Whatever it takes to Absolutely. get to the point where we all can be safe. Absolutely. If you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns, you know where to find Amanda and I. We live on our website or through our social media. We actually get quite a few people in our DMs, which is nice, Mm -hmm. asking us questions and we respond as quickly as possible. We are going to try to take this next month or so. We'll be back with fresh recordings for you guys soon. So thanks for sticking around and we will see you on the other side. Bye. Bye.